Yeah, go ahead and maybe test it's like it on. shows. It's recording. Okay. The number's going up. All right. So I'm going to leave it recording. Yeah. And uh, we can start whenever you're ready. Welcome to the Nine Bro Podcast, where we tackle daily life challenges and apply God's word to illuminate and preserve his truth while leading others to salvation through Christ Jesus. Let's join your hosts. I guess let's get started. So, hey everybody, uh, this is next episode of Nabro Podcasts, and uh, it's me, Sean, here with my friend Clint. He's been yeah. a frequent contributor now. So I, I'm the substitute. Jeff yeah. is not here today, and yeah, um, yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna see how this goes. This, yeah. is, this is our first time to do it by ourselves. By ourselves, yeah. So hopefully we don't screw it up too badly. No. But yeah. So <laughs> so Jeff Anthony's down in Houston with the high schoolers. He's um, helping to uh, with the mission trip. Okay. Um, I think it's the impact mission trip That's in awesome. Houston. So yeah, um, definitely praying God's blessing over that. That's going to be uh, hopefully that's really good for the young men and women who were there, but yeah. also that it's productive for the gospel there. Cause just like everywhere, there's a whole lot of darkness um, that we're yep. encountered and, you know, we need to shine a light, but we need to know how to do that skillfully with love. And, and so that was one of the things that we wanted to talk about today. Um, you know, last week had the debate um, between the men and women here in class about abortion and, um, you know, that was a recommendation by, by one of the women who said that that might be a good format um, just to, to get people talking and really help people commit to a specific uh, position. And when they got to class, um, they picked their, they drew which side they'd be on. And okay. So it really makes you think about both sides of the argument. And, you know, Jeff Anthony wrote me last week and said, you know, he felt bad for the devil's advocate and had to step in. Um, <laughs> so I told Stacey when we were listening to it that, you know, praise God that they didn't know um, the pro-abortion mm. argument very well. Okay. But, you know, that's why I wanted to talk about it in class today, because, you know, like I said, arguments tend not to work, but we really need to know what those arguments are. So we're at least prepared. Um so I really wanted to, I started class this way and I want to just come back to it that um, God tells us to respect life. He also tells us, Leviticus says, don't favor the poor or the rich to rule justly, to, to treat everybody the same. Um, and I was listening to Frank Turek and he said that, that that verse is actually the anti-CRT um, verse because you know, CRT says, you know, you have to favor the poor. You have to demonize the rich. What is CRT? Um, critical race theory. Sorry. Okay, there you yeah, go. There so you critical go. race theory. For is, me and anybody else who yeah, does Yeah, for it. anybody else who doesn't know, because, <laughs> you know, basically CRT is I'm racist because I'm white. Yeah. Um, you are it, so it, racist. Yeah, I, I scream it out loud all chance I get. But um, <laughs> so with with life, we have to be willing to, you know, love them both, the mother mm -hmm. and the child we need to care for people throughout the life cycle. And a lot of times I miss that boat. You know, mm. I do focus on the baby more. And, and so when people say, well, you're just pro birth, um, they're right. Mm. Um, a lot of time, too often for me that I have really focused on the, the baby itself, but you know, as I've matured and I've, as I've really learned more about it and had more experience in talking about it, 
I am now paying more attention to the problem that puts these women in this situation. And so really looking at the problem that the women are facing. Yeah. Um, Me and Jeff, we got to the point where we said, no matter what decision she finally makes, the woman always needs our help afterwards. Yeah. Whether she chooses to to go through with it or not. Yeah. That she's going to need help with that baby. Because obviously if she was choosing that, she was, in our eyes, oh, that's the easy decision. Well, it's maybe still hard for her. Yeah. But in her eyes, maybe it's the... In, in a warped sense of thinking, it's a lesser of two evils because she just couldn't raise it or whatever she thinks. But she needs help either raising the kid or now she's going to need help with a psychological trauma it's going to bring her. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, we've heard stories of women who have gone through abortion and sad, sadly it, it, it affects them deeply Yeah. for a long time. And they see kids grow up that should be their child's age. And it hurts them on a yearly, for the rest of their life. So they, they need constant help as well. Right. And and that's something that we all have to get better at realizing that, you know, it's more obvious sin and it seems more violent, but it's still an abomination in God's eyes. Um, yeah. The same as we've talked about before with pornography or lying or cheating, you pick it, it's all an abomination to God. Yeah. And too often the church will say, well, that's the only sin in this building. Um, because I can't, I can't see your greed. I can't see, mm. I can't see your porn addiction. I can't see your alcohol addiction. I can't, I can't see your envy. Um, I can't see your pride, <laughs> but we could see two men holding hands. Right. And that's exactly. those kind of things or, that or we are can too easily seen. Exactly. Yeah. You've said that before, mm-hmm. you know, you hope that you would be not shocked by that mm-hmm. and and hope that you would go up and, and speak to them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we all have to be able to do this. And unfortunately, this that's in, I don't know, uncomfortable. It's I feel like too many Christians haven't thought that out very well um, because, you know, I've said I said it today. I've said it before in the other classes that, you know, everybody is welcome at the cross to Jesus. So everybody should be welcome in this building. You said something in class, and that's it's a big lie. That's I guess some people say is uh, uh, if you're a sinner, you're not. You don't belong in church. Like certain sins or whatever, right? You don't belong here. Well, that's right. the, that's an absolute lie. Exactly. All sinners. I mean, we're all sinners, so we all belong. We all belong because we are broken. We're sinful. Some of our sins are more, like you said, a banner. Yeah. For everyone to see. Yeah. Less hidden, but we all have hidden sins. Right. And sometimes those hidden sins dig, have deeper roots. They go deep. And I think that's sometimes our, our, our hidden sins are, are the, the darker sins and the sins that more of these people have that sit in the pews and that we, we need to, but this this situation, this abor- abortion talk is what we're on today. I know yeah. me and Jeff have to be careful of going down <laughs> other tangents. So, <laughs> But I bring it up because it, it is just, you know, they wrote a book about it, The Scarlet Letter. Mm. You know, I've been in the churches where, you know, you're condemned and I'm going to make you a slave to this man who got you pregnant now because you have to get married. Mm. And 
I'll leave it there <laughs> um, with no further <laughs> editorial comment on it. But we treat we treat pregnancy outside of marriage like an unpardonable pardonable sin, and so it makes sense why you know the number with uh, with women seventy percent of them identify as Christians going at least twice a week. The church pushes them into there yeah. because, well, I can hide an abortion. I yeah. can't hide a baby. I think maybe we, we that unpardonable thing, because the effects last longer. So like, you're going to have a, I mean, you, you had sex out of, out of marriage. Right. Now you have a baby. Well, that baby now has to grow up. So you've been forgiven, but what, we still see the effect of that sin, but that, that shouldn't be a bad thing. I mean, hopefully we look at that child and say, well, what amazing thing God has done out of something sinful and same goes for divorce. I mean, these are effects that last for the rest of your life. Yep. And especially if you have children in your divorce, once again, tangents, but these are things that a sinful thing that has long-term effects. And there's other sinful things that we can go up to the church, ask for forgiveness and okay, I'm, I'm different, I'm changed. And it's like in our past and we can actually be a different person now. Right. But um, yeah, there's certain sins that linger and their effects are with us forever. Right. And, and I, abortion is one of those things that if you choose that sin, that's that's an effect that you're, you're it's with you forever. Right. That, that choice, no matter which one it is, is going to leave a lasting impact. And, but, you know, the child born out of, you know, an unmarried couple or, you know, we talked about rape and incest, even though that mm. is less than 1% of the numbers, something that can be something good out of that horrible situation, out of that absolutely wretched situation. So how do we speak to the woman? Let, let's, let's keep like, let's keep it out of uh, adolescence or whatever, right. like not rape of a child or anything. Cause right. that, that's like a whole nother level. This is a woman who's been raped. How do we convince her that raising this child, it's because it takes nine months to now, how traumatic is that to have nine months of your life where you have something growing inside of you that was put there forcibly? How do we we get to that point of, especially if she's not a Christian? Like, I mean, that almost seems like a completely losing, a lost battle already. This answer applies to a lot of a lot of sin that the abortion isn't the biggest problem. The rape isn't the biggest problem. And so, you know, we're not going to turn you know, an atheist into a missionary. We're not going to turn a hardcore pro-abortion advocate into a pro-lifer. Most likely it's not going to be me anyway. And I think I think the place is scripture weep that with those who weep and you know, rejoice with those who rejoice that I can't imagine mm. how horrible that is. And, but I don't think I can give that answer. Yeah. That has to come from a woman most likely because of what another man has done to that yeah. woman. But the framework is just like you deal with any tragedy. That's man, that's, that's, awful. I can't imagine how you feel with that. I'm not going to preach at you. Mm. I'm not going to say, well, you know, because in this case, she's done nothing wrong. 
I mean, right. she might have worn some clothes that, oh, we shouldn't have worn, but she doesn't deserve what happened to her. Right. No woman deserves <clears throat> to be raped right. ever. Even if she was walking around naked, she does not deserve to be right. attacked and raped. Now, the clothing talk and all that stuff, that's that's on her and, and a separate situation. But um, I, I brought it down to my, my kids. My kids can make me angry. It's my choice to lose control and yell and scream and shout. Did they bring me to that point? Do they own some of that? Yes. But I own completely and everything my uh, loss of control. My sin is on me. Yes. And, yeah. and I think that's the, we talked about this in the spring in our Christian sexuality course, but you know, I know what that feels like. I have been sexually assaulted. That control has been taken from me. And what has helped the most has not been some pithy statement, you know, mm. God closed the door, opens a window, or, you know, you're stronger than this, or, you know, God can turn anything around. Those are true, but they're not helpful. It's the difference between empathy and sympathy. Yes. So sympathy, I, I saw a little illustration is this person's like in a hole and the sympathy's like, oh, I feel sorry you're down there. Kind of like pointing to him. And then the empathy actually like gets the ladder and climbs down into the hole and sits with them and is crying with them and what, whatever situation they're there with them. Right. They're not, yeah, like trying to preach to him or, to, but they're, they get into it with him. Right. As whatever that may be for whatever situation that is, as, as comfortable as those people want to be, empathy is getting dirty with someone and not being clean and just pointing. Right. Sympathy is just the, oh, I don't, I want to dirty in there. Right. I'm, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. The pithy, right. the yeah. little, I don't know, the things that are on postcard. I don't know. Right. Coffee. Yeah, coffee no, mugs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah name yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was gonna I forgot what I was gonna say. You said, you said <laughs> uh, something. Oh, yeah, getting in the hole. Yeah, um, with them, and you know that's that applies to every aspect of the church, um, because that's what Jesus did. Mm. That's why the Pharisees hated him, because he got in the hole with the man trapped there. He went into the house of the tax collectors he went he associated with the the adulteress you know he showed mercy to the adulteress um he was present with people because how else are they going to know what the truth is because they're obviously stuck in that position by themselves and if i'm just going to sit back and oh yeah that's bad but hey shape up but if I get down in that mess with somebody, I earn my right to speak truth. You, you said it earlier, lead like Jesus. Show, well, and this is about really families, but it's about anybody. Show children or whoever you're dealing with what godly love looks like. So you're saying it right there. It's, it's, it's getting in there. It's um, not, not caring about what other people are thinking about you by putting yourself in a situation to be empathetic or being loving to this I saw you over there with that are you sure you want to be doing that I saw what they've been doing like right. we need to be shunning them and discommunicating them that, that's that's what the Bible says we should be doing no right I mean <laughs> and that's a 
fine line, much deeper conversation than that, because, you know, Paul said, expel the unbeliever. Um, but he also says, treat them like an unbeliever. And, you know, Stacy has really helped me understand that when we treat Christians like an unbeliever, we teach them like they don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then, then we not stop teaching them all together, not right. stop loving them. Exactly. Right. And so, but there are, you know, there are, as I showed, there are leaders in churches saying, kill your babies. Mm. We need to minister to those congregants. We need to call out those church leaders. That is an abomination to God because, mm. I mean, James says that not many of you should want to be teachers mm. because you, you pile on the responsibility because you say, Hey, I'm, I'm good enough at this that I can teach other people to do mm. it. So like they need to be called out the women, even after the abortion, they don't need to be called out. They need to be loved. They need to be ministered to because how, how desperate could there be a soul more anxious, you know, a heart more conflicted than a mom who feels like they have mm. no choice, but to kill their baby. Yeah. That's beforehand. How much worse do they feel afterwards? Because it does leave an impact, because it does affect them, whether or not they want to say it or not. And I've read all the articles, I've read the books, but it doesn't, that's a lie. It doesn't affect women. Mm. It can't not affect them. Unless they're completely apathetic and they've hardened their hearts so much. And it's, I mean, I don't know if there's some kind of weird world record of how many times one woman has had an abortion, but... I mean, at some point, you've hardened your heart so much that you are soulless. I mean, I, I mean th- there's that. But then there's also the woman who's, like you said, it's a hard decision. And, and she knows what she's about to do is is so horrible. But she doesn't know any. She's in a dark place. Right. To the other, the first thing you said, I mean, how is that different than any other sin that I'm committing that... I just keep doing it over mm-hmm. and over and yeah. over again. And my heart becomes hard. Callous. You know, I become callous yeah. and I'm just as numb to my own sin. And so I think you're right that after multiple times, it may leave less of a mark, but that's no different than any other sin. Absolutely. That when we get to the point where we're justifying our sin, we're just like that. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning, that's just more obvious yeah. to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't really talk about it in class. So I want to talk about it here. Um, just how we can respond to all of these, these arguments, even if it's just in our own head, because I know I'm a whole lot better at keeping my cool and being rational um, while I'm emotional, but not spewing my emotions out at people, when when my position makes more sense to me, and so I I do want to take some uh, a few minutes here just to talk about some of the arguments and then the rational response to them, so that as we are considering how to respond to truly hateful people how to respond thoughtfully to these irrational arguments. Um, So a common argument is, you know, unless you're going to take care of a baby, you can't be against abortions. You know, I talked about it in class. I have friends who were 
trying to take care of the baby and the news still called them hateful mm. anti-abortion you know anti-women so it really doesn't matter what we say or what we do we have to live it out but the holes in the argument are everywhere <laughs> that unless you're going to take unless you are that one you're doing the thing you can't be against it and and we and that got brought up last week and and then i think jeff okay. said the opposite like are they with the woman after the abortion are they taking care of that woman afterwards because they're, they're posing this to us yeah that you shouldn't be against this unless you're re- ready to take care of all these babies are you taking care of all the women who supposedly in your eyes don't aren't affected by this but statistically are right i mean that's that's how we love like jesus that's how we love those that are lost and you know it's not just that that we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. we need to love our neighbor the way we have been loved mm. you know i'm a you know paul says it in roman 7 you know wretched man that i am i am a dirty rotten wretched sinner god loves me so i can love you and not love your sin and it's not love sin sinner hate the sin that's i don't think that's theologically sound yeah. um but you can love you can love the sinner we're all sinners mm. without affirming the sin because that's that's that you're posing that to a christian who knows god's love because outside of that there's people who don't i mean that's why they're in this situation because they don't know god's love right so you're yeah what you just said we should love like we've been loved well some people have never been loved really and they don't know god's love it's it's hidden to them right now i mean anyway but yeah i so that was directed towards a christian but even not um you know somebody hasn't been loved by god doesn't know god's love you know wounded by the church or just hated god if if i can love you treat you kindly i can i can show you respect especially when you're insulting me when you're using ridicule Mm -hmm. when that leaves a mark and we said it a couple weeks ago in class um you know thinking of a continuum from atheist to missionary from zero to ten along this spiritual journey um one it's not my responsibility to get you from one to the other two i may not be involved in the process the whole time my role may just be in getting you from zero to like 0.5 just just a little bit farther away from you know hating god to agnostic even like that's been an accomplishment that i've been proud of (laughs) um praise god moving somebody from i hate god to huh yeah like getting them to question it exactly instead of blindly whatever and so just being being with people Mm -hmm. empathizing with the pain that they're in understanding that they're just as lost as i was and preaching at me actually drove me further away from god they were right Mm. but it didn't help me any and jesus showed us that when we when we love the sinner when we meet them where they are when we're present with them, when we empathize with them, when we truly care, we earn the right to speak truth. And we, we've talked about this. It, you have to build a relationship with someone in order to, they even care what, what right. your opinion is. Yeah. I and mean, we've talked about it in men's ministry. Yeah. You know, I, my, my favorite phrase is pound sand, dude. You know, you don't know me and you're right. I don't know you. 
but but when we're standing in front of that clinic, there's no relationship there yet. So we're we're some woman, girl, whoever is walking up. There's we don't have a relationship with that right. person to have to be able to speak to them on that level. So we we pray that the spirit gets involved immediately. And and that in this moment, that girl's heart is soft enough to hear our loving message. So, but you know, and and I think that's a good perspective to to have and consider with these things is because you don't have a relationship because you've got you know the elevator speech almost is all you've got, and so you know a response to that is much simpler and justifiably demands a response. It it will. I can't be against abortion because I'm not going to take care of all women. Mm. You know, are you against pedophilia? Absolutely. You know, are you, are you taking care of all of these molested boys? And am I actively doing anything towards that? Right. Are you trying to adopt them? Are you doing foster care? And, and, you know, somebody asked me afterwards, you know, how is that just men? Because the Mm. vast majority, more than 90% of pedophiles are men Mm -hmm. and their primary target is boys. Um, so if you're against pedophilia, why aren't you adopting all these boys? Well, well, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Are you against wife beating? Well, yes. Well, how many battered women are you sponsoring Mm -hmm. in, in a home or welcoming into your house? You know, how much, how many therapy sessions are you paying for so that they can deal with being a battered wife? Now, obviously, these these are things that the other side are saying to us, right? Or is this what we're supposed well, to be those, thinking? Well, those are things that we can respond to. They're saying, you know, unless you're going to take care of all the babies, you mm-hmm. can't be against abortion. Well, so you're, you're doing all, okay, this so, is our response well, okay, to Okay, you it. said that. All right. You're right. I'm not doing enough. Um, but, you know, you're against pedophilia and wife beating, right? So what are you doing to help that. So Got we're it. at least Got it. no worse than, than you are, mm. but most likely it just, your argument doesn't make sense yeah. because you're, you're saying I can't have a position against it because I'm not fixing the problem. Well, there's lots of problems that you're against that you're not fixing either. We're all wretched hypocrites. We're all not doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it's not about why well, I'm better than you. It's just, we're in the same boat. Yeah. Really. And because that's the thing is, you know, that's just ridicule. That's just an accusation. That's mm-hmm. not a conversation. And and so, you know, somebody starts screaming, conversation's over. But in this case, it just, it may just be putting that stone in their shoe. You know, well, yeah, I am against pedophilia and wife beating and drunk drivers and stuff, but yeah. I'm I'm not supporting all the halfway houses. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sponsoring these women. I'm not adopting these children. Maybe that's not such a good argument. Mm. Um, and yeah. it, it may just be that just disarming a little bit. Um, so there's a, there's a difference between this conversation you're having to someone who's, it's more of a debate, right? You're talking to someone who's in pro-choice we're pro-life. You're talking to people in, um, an intellectual environment and there's a different conversation you're having with a woman who's actually about to make the decision. Right. So the, the conversation with the eighth, whoever pro-choice is, um, could be considered pearls before swine. You're wasting, you could be wasting your time in that moment because they're, 
they're mo most likely not going to be swayed if the emotions are high. Elevate, like I think we said something about once it, once emotion gets high, once screaming starts or whatever, then the conversation's over. Right. But um, our you had said it. I, I don't know. I'm kind of going off of what you just said, but like you said in the class, like how many times have you gone to a clinic personally? So right. you you talk to someone and you're like you're more pro life than me. I think that's a danger that Christians can get into. I'm not doing enough. I'm, I, I'm, yes, we're against pedophilia. We're against wives being beat or any women being beat uh, or abortion, but I'm not doing enough. So we all have our season in life where, where we can dedicate what, what God has put in front of us. Right now you're a father. Right. So that's, that's your main job. You're also over this class. And so you're doing amazing things. So I just want to like, just because you're not spending your Saturdays or your Sunday, whatever it is in front of that clinic, doesn't mean you're less than like, I, I, I don't know. I kind of heard something there and I, for any other Christian, just because you're not doing those things, doesn't mean you, you, you're not caring. And then when we give our tithe, we give our money, our church does a ton of stuff yeah. for so many different causes. So yes, our fruit, will show us who we are, that we're, we are gods. We're a part of the vine. We are producing fruit. So don't get down on yourself just because we get into these conversations. You're like, oh, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. But how can we start to do more, just incrementally more? Like we don't need to immediately jump out and say, I need to go give 40% of my time to the clinic now. Uh, 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 yeah, I appreciate that. Um, part of that, and I didn't say it, and that's and that's part of the problem is my brain works faster than my mouth does a lot of times. But Same. like, part of that was the pro-abortion response. Well, okay. you know, I don't care enough because I'm not doing enough. Yeah, and so part of it was that, but also part of it that it doesn't have to be moving mountains because we're all in different seasons of life, because we have different responsibilities, because we have different priorities, because yeah. if everything's priority, nothing's mm -hmm. priority, you know, if everybody's yep. special, yep. nobody's special, um, that we have to own what we have and then look for opportunities and the authority to do those other things. Um, but if we're, if we're, if I'm dropping the ball at home, then I am not doing a good thing by being at the women's clinic if, if i am mm -hmm. if i am not angry your kids if yeah. i'm angry at my kids and and dismissive to stacy because i'm up late at the clinic mm -hmm. i'm not doing good yeah um and so you know my my spirit is is divided my attention is divided and, and so i appreciate the feedback but primarily it was just probably need to clarify it so thank you but it mostly that we don't have to move mountains to make a difference because we've all got our own thing because we're all taking care and you can make argument against you know modernism and mm. capitalism and things like that but we can we need to own what what we need to own and then look how we can continually improve our position so that it creates opportunities for us to do more absolutely so another one that I, I said I've actually heard from <laughs> from people I know, no uterus, no opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's that's got me a lot a lot. I I have kept silent a lot in certain conversations because of that. 
Me and, and this is in the, in the past, yeah. yeah. Yeah, me too. Like, I, well, <laughs> you're, you're stuck behind a, between a rock and a hard place, mm -hmm. you know? Um, well, you know, I said it's a logical fallacy, but even, and I'm going to talk about this in the class I'm teaching in the fall at co-op, um, it's called poisoning the well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the guy who wrote the book said this may be one of the most difficult ones because you're saying my opinion doesn't matter. So anything I say mm -hmm. isn't going to matter. But how, why do you do that is a good question. Why, why are you? why are you saying my opinion doesn't matter? Well, you don't have a uterus. Well, do you, do you think I don't have anything constructive to add to it? Or are you, or are you afraid that I'll say something that challenges your, your position that you don't have a response to? You know, yeah. Sit down and shut up. I, I, I think the de it's, it all boils down to the devil. He's, he's, he's the master chess player of life. He's, a hundred moves ahead of us. He's not ahead of God, right. but ahead of us. So if he can take us out of the equation by saying some kind of flippant thing like this, then, man, that was easy. Yeah. That was easy. You're silent now. Right. I mean, you're, the... you're, you're not going to think about this anymore. And, and I can continue doing what my plan needs. Right. Now, this person who's saying that they're not thinking that, but those words were put there. Those words were constructed. That's a, really um for their argument really smart thing to say yeah <laughs> i mean of course yeah i mean even to some christians that kind of that makes sense yeah that makes I, sense i should be quiet right because i'm not there you yeah. know i don't but the as i point out in class the problem is it doesn't make sense in any other thing so you know going back to the pedophilia because it's most men who are doing it, you can't be opposed to pedophilia either yeah. because you're not a white man. Yeah. You know, because I'm a white man, I can't be opposed to racism. Because I'm a man, I can't be opposed to subjugation of women or child slavery mm -hmm. because I'm not a child. So mm. just in no other situation does that mean everybody would say all of those things are absolutely reprehensible. How do you, how dare you say that I can't say anything about those awful things? Then, yeah. then if you apply the claim to itself, why is this true in this situation? But it's absolutely false in every other situation. I think the devil knows that men have a certain place in this life. And if he can silence the men's voice, that might help this woman see it a different way. Then that this is an easy, an easy win for him yeah. to say this little thing. So, And that's... The oldest trick in the book, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally and figuratively, sin in the garden, as best we know, Satan was talking to Eve and it says Adam was with him. Satan got the men, the man to shut up from the very beginning mm. and sin happened because he didn't step up and lead like God told him to lead. Mm. And that isn't machismo. That's not male dominance. That, mm -hmm. So when men step up, they lead like Jesus. If, but they, the, lo if they love like Jesus. If they love like Jesus, yeah. they can lead like Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the first sin was man giving up his godly authority, mm. stepping back. And so that is the oldest trick in the book and is just as false now as it was at the beginning. Yeah. And what you said, the last thing you said is, is the problem is men mm. don't speak up. Mm. Men don't act right um 
And there's a difference between speaking up and shouting. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as you, as you said, you know, those are more elevator speeches. The thing that I think we can do and what I've seen, um, you know, Apologia Church does this a lot. Um, they're out of the abortion clinics and they're just, you know, let us help. You know, they, mm. they are prepared with the logical response to those really poor arguments. But in the end, it is just, it's empathy. You know, yes, you know, please, please just stop and talk to us. I mean, they take counselors with them. Um, you know, somebody has the megaphone just so people can hear them over the screaming, but they've got counselors. They have, I mean, they, Jeff Durbin is the one who, the lead pastor of that church, they have also adopted more than one, I forget if it's two or three, but babies that would have been aborted. Mm. Um, and they don't look like him. All the, all the children they've adopted are black. He's not. Mm. Um, that's unpopular even. Yeah. Um, you know, it's exotifying and all kinds of things like that, that that they say, but it has nothing to do with the color of their skin. It, you know, like Martin Luther King said, you know, it's the content of their character that they see past that, even though, you know, I said earlier, critical race theory, um, color blindness now is racism um, because you don't make race mm. because you're not racist. You're racist um, <laughs> because you don't prioritize race above all else. You're racist. And this is the problem because you're not because you don't see that abortion is healthcare, reproductive rights, and all these, these, these lies that they covered up with, because you don't support that, then you just, you want to kill women, you know, and it, yeah. it's all just, it's ridicule, it's lies, it's encouraging us to shut up, to sit down, keep our mouth closed. When it comes to those situations, we just need to know that their argument makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're at least on equal logical ground. Now let's get to the heart of the issue with, you know, these are hurting women. Um, these are, these are apparently hopeless situations. And as you said before, you know, without God, it is hopeless. So let's start there. Mm. Let's, let's start with a hopeless, you know, and I understand how awful that is that I can't, I can't even imagine what that feels like. And the question is, I've talked about this before that, you know, the question isn't, what do you need? Because most people don't know what they need in the depths of despair. The best thing to say is, a, is just a statement that I'm here for you. I'll be here if you need something, because you know, what do you need? They may not know that may put more stress on them. Well, I've got to come up with something or why don't I, I can't come up with anything. So maybe I don't deserve to feel like I feel, um, all those are lies, but those are logical thoughts that people tend to have when you say, well, what do you need? I don't really need anything right then. They may not know what it is. Yeah. I mean, the people in this class and maybe the people, uh, that are, this podcast is generally, uh, meant for, are we, um, is it someone in their life, uh, they happenstance here that they got pregnant and they 
they're wanting a, they're thinking, considering an abortion, like stopping it within that, or, or is this, like you said, going to the clinic and, and standing and, and being that voice for God at the last minute, sort of like a, a final plea before that happens. Um, what, what do you think these men and women in this classroom, what do you think they need to hear the most as far as, I don't know. Like where in the process? Yeah. Like if they're not going to the clinic, right. Then, Oh, none of this matters. right? Right. But if they have a situation arise in their life where God has divinely put this person in, into their life and opens that person up enough to where they feel comfortable enough to reveal, yeah, I'm thinking about abortion or whatever. Like, So it seems the same as divorce in the church, that a lot of, a lot of divorce ministries deal with after they decided to get divorced or after the divorce has happened. If you wait till then, it's too late to do anything. Yeah. Nothing but Almighty God being being present, coming down, doing something supernatural. If a couple decides they're gonna get divorced, it's 99 times out of 100 is too late to fix it. Yeah. And so like that is at the, the abortion clinic. And so the church has to get better at playing offense. And that starts with you're welcome in this building, mm. no matter what you're doing. What you do, you and I both know what you're doing is wrong. Mm. And so we, we can kind of put a pin in that. We're not, we don't need to focus on that right now. What we need to focus on is you understanding God loves you, that you can't do it on your own, obviously. And that look what God did. And then we can go into apologetics and, you know, everybody agrees Jesus Christ was a historical figure. A fact, he's the most well-attested person on the planet ever in history. Then we can say that then, then what he says might be true. And then I can, I can love like Jesus so I can lead like Jesus and then help that person see, Hey, maybe there's something wrong like we said earlier, I've earned the right to speak to that thing, but that thing can't be the priority. You have to be the priority. Mm. You know, it's like you can't become somebody's friend to change them. That's a bad <laughs> worldview to look. If you yeah. think, if you think your job is to change somebody that you're going to be miserable and they're going to be pissed off. Um, what but, happens after you change them? <laughs> well, the relationship's over. <laughs> then it was me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I don't need you anymore, but we all need to get better at that. Because that's what Jesus did. He sat down with those people. He empathized with them. He saw them where they were. He earned the right to do that. And so with the unmarried couple that's sleeping around, let's, yep, okay, that's happening. If God doesn't mean anything to you, what God says isn't going to mean anything yeah. either. So mm -hmm. coming at them with a Christian worldview, applying it to a, a godless, and not necessarily satanic godless, but Correct. just yes. a, in no religion, no Themselves. God, no nothing Selfish. together, right? What God says doesn't matter. And so coming at you, well, the Bible says, well, the Bible doesn't mean anything. So we all need to get better at seeing them where they are, but then making them the priority and not the thing that they're doing. Because we can't hope to play a role in 
their in their refinement and their sanctification if they don't find God to find the salvation. Yeah. You know, the redemption happens through the Holy Spirit, faith in in the risen Christ. The sanctification is what changes their behavior because baptism doesn't stop you from sinning. Yep. It, and uh, so, we, so, sometimes it's the beginning because it, it, for me, it was the beginning of a life sin. That's when we buy in to the salvation that we've been given, mm-hmm. but we're still dirty, rotten sinners. Yep. You know, as I said before, Paul says it in, in Romans seven, he's been a Christian for probably 20 years at this point, And he's still saying, I'm a wretched man. Yep. I've, he doesn't even say, yeah, look at all the things, look at all the churches I've started, all this. He doesn't say that I'm a wretched man. I thank God through his son, Jesus Christ, because that's all that does it. And he's speaking to the Romans. The Romans were sacrificing live children on altars. They weren't just aborting yeah. their babies. They were sacrificing live children. You know, when people say, well, Paul didn't know what, you know, LGBT was. He didn't know what abortion was. He didn't know Dude, yeah. he knew. Yeah. Um, they they knew what it was. Um, last year, I was taking a Christian philosophy class, and we had to read um, all these early church fathers. And Athenagoras, um, he was born in 133, died in 190. In 150, he wrote against abortion. He oh, said, yeah. he said, we know that the fetus is separate from the mother. They had chemical abortions back then before the end of the second century, he said women who take medicine to abort their children, they said the fetus is separate from the mother. They knew that the fetus was a gift of God and they knew abortion was murder. Yeah. In 150. And you said this is Romans because the Romans, even after the baby was born, if it had birth defects, they just go leave it out in the field. Right. Toss it off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so Paul knew all that wretched stuff he wasn't condemning them. He was saying, Hey, you've signed up for this. So this is how you need to live. But after all this, I'm still a wretched sinner. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we understand that we are saved in Christ, but we're continually being sanctified, that will help me see how to love other people, how, how I've been loved, not just how I want to be loved, but how I've actually been loved. I'm a whole lot better at loving love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. If you don't have to do the first one, you're not going to do the second one. Yep. And also, if you don't love God, and you know, Jesus said it, and then John said it, you know, as Hutt pointed out, we don't follow Jesus, we don't love him. And so part of loving God is doing what he told us to do. And in doing what he told us to do, we become more like him. We understand what he's done for us. And so then I know how to love my neighbor as myself. And it's loving my neighbor as I've been loved. And that is the girl and boy who's sleeping around before they get pregnant. Mm -hmm. That is the drunk who still goes to the bar, but is sober right now. Um, That is hopefully not. That's the guy who's beating his wife, but isn't doing it right now. The guy addicted to pornography. Guy addicted to pornography. The the accountant who's cooking the books. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you pick a sin. It's all an abomination of God. 
because everybody's welcome at the cross, everybody has to be welcome in the church. Amen. Their sin isn't welcome, but they have to be welcome to go past their sin. Well, you said their sin isn't welcome, but it kind of goes toe in toe. Before they know Jesus, they have to bring, they have to wear that sin in. Right. right. And, and so that's not a good, like, I, 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 I know what you're saying. That's you why. Are, you are welcome in this building. I don't have to tell you what you're doing is right though. Yeah. But no, because that thing isn't really the thing. It's your heart. It's your own selfishness. Yeah. And when we focus our efforts on what's essential to God, you know, in his first sermon, Jesus said, you've heard it said, you do this, you do this. I want your heart. Yeah. I want your eyes. I want your mind. I want your soul. I don't just want your behavior. I want all of you. And if we, if we live that out, I'm less worried about the sin. I'm way more worried about the sinner. And that, that sin may reflect their character. It doesn't define them. And sometimes when it comes to addiction therapy, the counselor, the minister, the, the, uh, ambassador picket, I'm going to see better in you than you see in yourself. And Mm -hmm. it goes the same way that you may feel stuck in your sin. I know there's a way out of it and I see that good in you and I see what you can be because I know what God did in me. I can help walk with you I, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of Almighty God doing supernatural work in them through us. We can lead people to Jesus. That will help solve the problems. When, when the church loves like Jesus, then we will see the people before they feel like they yeah. need to abort their children. We'll see the people before, you know, whatever impact. Well, maybe not. It may be after that, but we've got the chance to speak truth in their life, to lead them to a better place with God. And then that helps fix the problem. Yeah. I'm with you. Well, I feel like we could continue to repeat. I could continue to repeat myself. Um, So I guess... You know, did you have any thoughts after class today on, you know, what I said? You know, I talked about that. You said something about um, the baby, uh, said the Bible doesn't say life begins before the first breath. Mm. Was that something that, I mean, that that's in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so As, well, I mean, my, my first inclination was, okay, yes, the lungs, every, like, they're still filled with fluid, right? He's inside the... Uh, um, amniotic fluid inside the sac. So, but receiving oxygen from the mother, like the baby needs oxygen and he's getting the oxygen through the blood of the mother, which the blood is only there really to transport oxygen and to take away carbon dioxide. Right. Right. So that blood is going through that baby. So the baby is breathing, right? Is the baby is using that oxygen to live. So, So, Yes, that's true. And as it was pointed out, you know, 100% of scientists could disagree. It doesn't change the fact that it's true. Yeah. Um, you know, I had that screenshot, you know, from the Hill. And this was just after the 2022 yeah, election when Raphael Warnock was reelected as senator in, in Georgia, you know, the headline is pro-choice pastors like Raphael Warnock have the Bible and history on their side. Um, 
They talk about Exodus um, 21, um, that a man who causes a woman to have a miscarriage, but she lives, they'll be fined. Hmm. But they, it's not a mortal sin. Um, Ezekiel, you know, they talk about dry bones. Um, you know, Ezekiel says, you know, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Um, were you, were you reading a, a law or is that when, I'm sorry, were you reading from the Bible about the, if the mm-hmm. lady is uh, killed, not hurt, loses the child that the, the, the man will be fined. Yeah. So Exodus, okay, that's from the Bible. Exodus okay. 21, 22, if two men are fighting and the process hurts a pregnant woman so that she has a miscarriage, but she lives, the man who injured her will be fined whatever the amount the husband shall demand. And as the judge approves. Whatever the husband shall, I mean, so. So if you you, cause an abortion, it's not a deadly sin. To the point that, I mean, if the husband said, I want everything you have and, but the judge has to approve that. Right. Yeah. So. But it's not, it's not on God. It's on the husband. mm, Um, Yeah. Yeah. And then Ezekiel 37, five, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will breathe. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Mm. Um, Those and, were bones, though. Yeah. Right, but <laughs> breath is what brought you life. Revelation okay, okay. eleven eleven. But after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet. And terror struck them, and saw, and struck those who saw them. Um, Genesis two seven. Then the Lord formed the man from the dust on the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Are these scriptures that are being used against us? Mm-hmm. Okay. These, so, are, these are pro-choice pastors, church leaders who are saying God doesn't condemn abortion. Oh, 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 but when when does God breathe the life into the baby? It, actual, w- w- actual physical breath after birth. Mm, that, so they're saying... When, so they're, they're telling you when God is breathing life into the child. When the child... God says the child is not alive until they start breathing air outside the vaginal canal. God says this. That's that's what they're saying. God, okay, God's, that's what they're saying. God's word says I'm, that. I'm envisioning this baby is alive and kicking and moving, and the breath of life from God has already been entered through the mother with the oxygen. I mean, well, that, that child is alive and kicking and moving and brain activity. That is an al- yeah. You're exactly right. Yeah. You're exactly right. And to the point in class, you're exactly right, even <laughs> though all these people disagree with you. Not the people in the class that didn't <laughs> right not and not in the class yeah um, so and in you know Job thirty Job thirty three verse four Elihu tells Job the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life so I didn't mm. go into detail but I encourage everybody to look at those verses and read the verses just around it the immediate context contradicts every single one of those yeah but. If I'm, you know, we've talked about exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is looking for the, the meaning that is in the text by the divinely inspired author. Eisegesis is said, well, I like what that says, so it's got to mean that. So mm-hmm. it's confirmation bias. Um, the other thing they, they talk about that in the headline is the history is on their side. They said in 1968, Christianity Today, so not the Bible, but Christians, um, Quote, God does not regard the fetus as a soul, no matter how far gestation has progressed. The law plainly exacts, quote, if a man kills any human life, he will not be put to death. Leviticus 24, 17. 
But according to Exodus 21, 22, and 4, then they talk about destruction of the fetus is not a capital offense. So clearly, then, in contrast to the mother, the fetus is not reckoned as a soul. It's a Mm. quote from Christianity Today in 1968. And the sad truth of that is really the Catholics were only opposed to abortion in the 60s openly. And so what they'll say is that Christians weren't worried about abortion until uh, until after Roe v. Wade. But as I pointed out earlier, Athenagoras in 150, the church was opposed to abortion. And so the fact that we didn't care about abortion before Roe v. Wade is a lie from the pit of hell. And that's not just our opinion. It's a historical fact. Um, but they say, well, because people didn't oppose it, it can't be wrong, which is contrary to the gospel, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're gonna want what's evil. Um, of course, you're gonna <laughs> ignore God, you know, as Hutt said today, you know, we're, we're always gonna be in need of savior. We're always gonna be need in repentance because we're all dirty, rotten sinners. And so the church has been wrong about a lot of things. They were wrong about this too, um, but it wasn't the whole church and it wasn't the first time that they decided it either. Um, and as I said in class, that this is the church saying this, you know, the world doesn't care what the Bible says, but the church should. And so all we have to do, it's as simple as reading those verses and not taking them out of their context. But we're also, when, when church leaders say these kind of things, it does give ammunition to the other side. Yeah. Look, your own people are saying this. Exactly. You can't agree on it. And well, we like what they're saying, so they must be right. We don't like what you're saying, so you have to be wrong. Yeah. Um, But life is an essential priority in scripture. And, you know, there's lots of, lots of verses that, that talk about the importance of life. And, you know, people will talk about, uh, Jeremiah, I think it is, you know, that you knew me in most parts while I was still my mother. Um, there's a whole lot more meaningful mm-hmm. <laughs> things in scripture than that. That's true. Yeah. Um, but there's a whole lot more meaningful things. But it's, it's all in understanding the truth of God's word. And if we want to manipulate scripture, I mean, that was Satan's first trick with Jesus was, well, scripture says this. And she said, well this is what it actually means. Well, scripture says, well, no, this is what it actually means. And I'm not calling these people Satan, but they're falling for the same trick is, well, scripture doesn't mean what you think it means. Well, this is what it actually says. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was something else that um, was brought this up to my attention or made me think about this. Um, Just saying like, the devil's biggest goal is to destroy the family, I think. Destroys the family, destroys the family unit, um, destroys uh, the bond that they could ultimately have. Fathers leave leave the home, so you're stuck with a, a single mom. And we said the statistics of abortions in a single right. go higher. Yeah. So all these kind of things go hand in hand. Like if you destroy the family, ultimately that family will go into, I don't want to say chaos, but not towards God. Disorder. Generally. And so, and then this is when I wrote down, lead like Jesus, show your children what godly love looks like. So we had already said that, but it goes into what I'm saying. And Cody Spear here in this church is leading a new um, parenting class. I know that 
the men and women uh, in this class are not parents yet. Right. But maybe they will be one day. So this is this is something that I wish I would have heard beforehand. Um, it said in the parenting class, we heard if if you don't have a goal in mind, if you don't have what are you parenting for? What are you parenting them to? Um, so this was an aim that he had, but to parent in a way that the kids want to be with you and their siblings when they don't have to be. So they want a relationship with you after they leave the home. And so if they have these relationships with you, then they get into situations where they get pregnant, then maybe they'll still have a relationship to come talk to you and not make rash decisions to, to do something without you even knowing. Because how many times has someone gotten an abortion and not told their parents? It's probably the main reason to get the abortion, right? So that you don't have to tell their parents. So if you have an amazing relationship with your parent, you might not even get to the point where you, you're making that decision. Yeah. So you men and women that are not parents yet, this, this class could be to help your kids not have an abortion. It could be their kids. It could be their friends. Or it could be you. You, know, you, you, you. I mean, you may also be thinking about these things and know that God, God's there with you. We're here with you. So, I mean, we could be talking to three or four or five different types of people yeah. in the same breath. So Paul tells, you know, Timothy, said, don't let people look down upon your youth. You may be teaching other people. You know, he praises his mother and his grandmother, yeah. you know, for, for training him up. But, you know, these men and women in this class aren't the future of the church. They are the church. Amen. And they have an impact, you know, as we've seen, you know, on each other. I mean, we've got several siblings in this class. And so, you know, not only can they help their friends, they can help their family. And, you know, maybe it's, it's tied to back to the, the parents, you know, Hey, you know, you know, what's going on? You know, you have really, I see you're having a hard time with mom or dad, you know, what, what's going on. And, and so having that, that peer relationship, that, that loving brother, sister or brother, brother relationship that, you know, then, you know, they can help lead their actual brother and sister back to a godly interaction with their family. And so it really doesn't matter where you are yeah. in the literal or figurative life cycle of, of the church or the abortion. It, you know, a relationship is what's going to change it. And no matter where you are in that position, you know, embracing godly masculinity, um, you know, loving your wife and daughters and sisters well, and just being present, um, you know, f you know, being worthy of imitation. You could be the only godly man in your dorm. You could be the only godly woman in the sorority. You could be, you could be the only godly person in your youth group. Mm. Be worthy of imitation, you know, First Corinthians eleven one says, you know, be worthy of imitation. Be be like Christ, so that others want to, to be like Christ. And Paul says, you know, as I follow Christ, follow me. You know, so don't follow me just because of where I'm going. Follow me when I'm following Christ. But you're not following me. You're you're following Christ by extension. And then by doing that, you learn to trust the process. So you, so you become a follower of Jesus because you followed me who was following yeah. Jesus and then mentoring, you know, it doesn't have to be an 
older person to a, a younger person, it can be peer mentorship, you know? And so, you know, like we've talked about, you know, the three relationships a man needs, you know, everybody needs a Nathan and Jonathan and a Timothy and Jonathan was mentoring David and David is mentoring Jonathan. And so, you know, it can just be peer to peer that leading like Jesus applies no matter where you are in the life cycle. And it applies to both men and women. But as I said in class, we, we bear the brunt of the solution, in my opinion. Yes, and praise God the women point out that, you know, women play a definite role in most of these situations. But when I do the right thing and I teach my son to do the right thing and I help my friends and people that I'm connected with, when I help them do the right thing, then that changes the process from the inside. And... So I have, there's less need to go to the abortion clinic. There's less need to talk to, you know, the unmarried couple. But part of teaching them is to own your responsibilities. It yeah. is so, yep, you're not married. Yep, you're pregnant. No, what are you going to do about it? Hmm. You know, being present, owning up to your responsibilities, taking, taking that challenge and created by that sin and then walking it out the way God God says. And so that's where I was coming from when I said, you know, men bear the brunt of the responsibility it's because when we love our wives and our daughters and our, and our girlfriends and our sisters, well, then we create the opportunity to prevent the stuff because if I don't devalue women. If I don't teach my son to disrespect his wife, to, to disrespect his sister, then he's going to be more likely to act like Jesus because he follows Jesus. Do the same thing at work, at school, wherever I'm at. When, when I show what God wants from me, other people can't miss it. They could ignore it, but they can't miss it. Yeah. And it might, that might be the thing that puts a stone in their shoe that you know, isn't the thing that changed your mind, but is there and it just kind of bugs them and down the road because I wasn't a jerk, because I wasn't an incredibly hypocritical person. You know, I'm a hypocrite because I believe in Jesus and I keep sinning, but I recognize my hypocrisy and, and that's different than yeah. just, <laughs> you don't know yeah. what you're talking about. And so other people have seen a Christian who actually follows Jesus. They meant what they said, huh? Hmm. So the next time they meet a not hateful Christian, then maybe they're more willing to listen because you showed them that Jesus is worthy of being emulated to the degree that you're willing to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Godly love changes our reality. Our reality could be really dark. We could be thinking about ourselves, but like when someone comes into our life and shows us godly love, I mean, that's, that's the father loving us through a person through this other vessel. We're receiving God's love through an individual. So when that happens, it can literally change our life. Yeah, It can change our outcome. It can change our viewpoint. So being there and, and just loving, I mean, that's why it's, it's the main law, the main rule, the most important thing in the Bible. Love God, love others. You do those things, you've done everything. Yeah. It's, it's very simple. Jesus love. said you've followed all yeah. the law and You've all the it. prophets. So, well, man, I appreciate you being here. 
Um, I've got a lot of resources that I'm still new to this podcast stuff. Uh, I've heard, uh, heard other people say it. I'll see if I can put it in the show notes, um, <laughs> the links um, to a lot of where I got a lot of this information and some things that have worked well. Uh, next week, I think we'll look at one of the videos um, that I found. It's Ray Comfort from Living Waters. Um, and he calls it the 180 movie. Um, something that has worked and I haven't seen a whole lot of arguments work. So we're going to look at that in, in next week and cool. kind of um, do a live reaction um, class to it just to see what people think. Um, but yeah, I'll put links to all this in the, in the show notes. Um, <laughs> and, and so other people can, so everybody can see what we're talking about and kind of where I'm, I'm coming from in this, but man, well, um, would you mind closing us out with prayer? Yeah. Cool. Father in heaven, we, uh, we come to you. We are, we know that you're with us. We know that you surround us. We know that your love changes people's hearts and minds. And we ask that for those that are listening, that are hurting, that are contemplating something like this, that you, you show them your love. You, you show them the people that are in their life that are willing to step in and help. For those that are those people that are willing to step up, that we, we see people in need, we see people hurting, we reach out. We get into that hole like Jesus did. We get dirty. We feel what they need in that moment. And we feel those raw emotions just like they are feeling. Without preaching, help us to be available when those times are, are needed. Convict us to move. We know that our lives are busy and we have priorities. But when there's a situation that requires our attention, let the Spirit not just whisper to us, but shout to us that this right now, this moment is when I need you to be my hands and my feet, to be my mouth, to be my love. Just help us to be there for people and help us to be, for, be there for people that after they've made a bad decision because they need your love more than ever. So thank you for this class. Thank you for Sean and Jeff for the, their willingness to teach. Continue to keep giving them words, words of wisdom to say with all those that are in this class and all those that listen to this podcast, bless them. It's in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. This concludes this week's podcast. Just remember when the world tries to get you to backslide, all you got to say is, nah, bro. <laughs>